Thank you, Miss Judy, for that. Um, if you've got your copy of God's Word, I invite you to take it and open it to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1. And while you are turning with me to Ephesians chapter 1, getting ready to go back to verse number 3 and finish up verse number 3 where we were last week, I want to pray for us again. Precious Father, um, God, we come now to a most holy moment. Father, this is no light task before any of us, whether that be me rightly dividing the word of truth, or whether that be your people rightly receiving the word of truth. And Lord, I pray today that, Father, it will be rightly declared and it will be rightly received. And that, Father, bit by bit, you will renew our minds in your truth as you develop us into the congregation, the local church that you desire us to be. Not the church we want to be, but the church you purpose us to be. Not the church that reflects the doctrines and creeds of men, but the church that reflects the doctrine of your word, the truth of your scriptures. Not the church that seeks to always align itself with some denominational headquarters, but the church that will align itself with your truth. Lord, we want to honor you and want you to be honored. So, Father, make much of yourself today in our hearts. Lord, it is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right. If you would like to stand for the reading of verse number three, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or heavenly realms. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we began a awesome adventure and journey of walking through the book of Ephesians verse by verse, looking at it precept by precept, line by line. And as we settled in verse 1 and 2, as introducing this text, I simply asked the question, why? Why the book of Ephesians? Why take the time to walk through this book? And the final reason that I left you with in answering that question two weeks ago was because of the gracious 
effect that it will have on our lives spiritually as a congregation. That is the final reason I left you with. That we would have multiplied peace and grace. That's what the text said when he's writing the book of Ephesians. He writes to the saints in Ephesus and he says, Grace to you. Peace be unto you. And it's that it would be multiplied unto us. And the grace now we are settling in verse 3. We were in verse 3 last week. We saw three things in verse 3 last week. We're going to see three more today because I didn't want to overwhelm you with six at one time. And as we look at this verse, the grace to you. The grace to you is the reminder that we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, have been bountifully blessed and beyond measure. Fact. Spiritual fact. And I drop that as the title over verse number 3. Continuing with that same title, that same theme from the text today. And we cannot, church, we cannot afford to lose sight of this truth So often we get our eyes blinded to this reality. And when we do, we begin to experience the misery, and it is miserable, the misery of complaining and the misery of coveting and the misery of all kinds of evil. And we live far less joy-filled lives than we are intended and designed to live in Jesus Christ. Fact of the matter... Saint, you are blessed and highly favored in Christ. In Christ, you are. Now, last week, verse number three, we saw, first of all, we saw the origin of all blessing. It's God. It is God who has blessed us. It is God, not another, not a church, not a denomination, certainly not the Southern Baptist Convention. And may I just put this little caveat in there? If our convention ever starts going down a road that is leaving Orthodox Christianity, I will not pastor a Southern Baptist church when they start making doctrinal compromises. What I mean by that is we got some heavy things to think about if we're ever confronted with that issue. Are we there? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't worship a denominational headquarters. You want to be in line with the truth. Amen? All right. We're all on the same page then. Now, God is the source of all blessings. He is the source. He, it comes from Him. God is. We saw the origin of blessing. We saw the objects of this great, bountiful, beyond measure blessing from God. It's us. He said to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus, and we saw that the saints, that's, that's us, every one of us. If we've been born of God, if we've been made alive in the Spirit of God, you are a saint. Karen, look at Archie. Saint Archie. And you look back at her and you say, Saint Karen, Archie. Because that's a reality by the blood of the Lamb. 
Certainly not by your personality or your demeanor or anything else like that. And it's certainly true, not true of anything in us. It's true because of the grace of God. The sovereign grace of God having been made efficacious in our personal lives. And we know it because we have been born again. Now, we saw the omnibus of these blessings. Now you thought, well, he's just trying to keep his alliteration going, and partly so, but that's really true. Omnibus means many things at one time, and we have many blessings all at once. It's not, again, I told you, it's not like we've got one little blessing, two little blessings, three little blessings, four. We got it all at one time in Christ. We're blessed. What did the text say? We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every, 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 every. That didn't leave any out. We need to remember that. So this morning, let's extract three more realities out of that verse that I told you there were six things I wanted to note in. This morning, number four... If we follow having one, two, three, last week, number four, we want to see the orientation of these blessings. The orientation of these blessings. The text, verse three, calls these blessings spiritual blessings, meaning... These blessings are of a spiritual orientation. They are spiritual. But yet so often when we think of blessings, we, we tend to measure those blessings only by the effects in the natural realm. We tend to look at things with the natural eye rather than the spiritual. And our blessings tend to become reduced to what we can see and what we can feel and what we can touch. They, the blessings become big bank accounts. They become new cars. They become new homes. They become honor roll. They, all of which, Lid, don't, please don't misunderstand me. Hit the person next to you that's falling asleep saying, Pastor said, don't misunderstand him. All those things are blessings for sure, but they are temporary and they will perish in the end. Okay? Reality is that when the U.S. dollar collapses and your bank account is worthless, when the new car becomes the old car that stays in the shop and the new home becomes the old home in need of major updating and repairs, and when the A honor roll and the 32 on A, the ACT that you made becomes irrelevant because you really can't remember yesterday, even then, Christian, saint, you are blessed bountifully and beyond measure. You gotta realize that. You, you gotta rest in that reality. 
Regardless of our temporary state in the natural realm, God has blessed us saints with an omnibus of blessings that are spiritual in nature. And our eternal treasures will always trump or triumph over our temporal pleasures. Oh, that rhyme. I should rap. But I won't. All right. Um, saints, that word, when we look here at verse number three, that is translated in the English spiritual, it, that Greek word, it tells us a little bit about the nature of these blessings. It's pneumatikos in the Greek, which is the same word that is usually translated in relationship to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit. Um, because we as saints have been, as we will see later on in chapter 1, sealed by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, we already, not because of us, but because of the Spirit, we already have, by virtue of the fact we are now sealed by the Spirit, we are indwelt by the Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we have within us now already within us the spiritual resources that we need. All we need to be the spiritual people that we are called to be in the natural world. We got you, yet what do we all the time? We're always looking for another little something to help us and prop us up like we need a little other little something. No, listen, you've got all you need in God, in by virtue of the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you. It's not, you're not sitting back waiting for some Yahoo to come out with the latest book that they're going to sell and be the Christian book seller. It may be a wonderful book. It might help you in some wonderful ways. But that is not the answer to your problems. And it's not the answer to your sanctification. It's not the answer to your growing in holiness. It's not the answer, the answer to you manifesting righteousness, the righteousness of Christ in your presence practical life. No, that's not the end. That's going to be wrapped up and found in power found in the Holy Spirit who dwells in you if you have been born again. What did Peter write? You remember what he said over in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3? He said this about the elect of God. He said, His divine power has granted to us all things. How? What's His divine power granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We got everything we need to supply our need to help us be who God has called us to be. It's right here by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And when I say it's right here, I don't mean what some new age guru means. I don't mean, oh, you've got the power within you. You, you, you. you don't have nothing but total depravity in you apart from Christ. Okay? But when the Holy Spirit, the precious Holy Spirit, takes up residency within your heart, you got it all. You got it all. Wow. Wow. Yet, so often, we live our lives as if we're ignorant of this very fact. Every 
one of us has those moments when we live like it's not true. We must be careful. We Christians sometimes spend our lives and we spin our spiritual wheels asking and seeking for things we already got. And in our unbelief, we ask for things we have already been told in God's Word that we have rather than taking what we've been told we have and appropriating them by the power of the Spirit in our lives. And that's a heavy task. We pray for peace. God, give us peace. Give us peace, Lord. We want peace in our lives. Didn't Jesus tell us in John 14 and verse number 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Yet we're asking for what He's already given. Interesting. Well, think about it. Think about it. You see, when He is in us, because we are in Him, as we will see in a moment, He will produce peace, and love, and joy, and Kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control because those are the fruit of the Spirit. And I may have left some out there. I'm just talking. And the more we lean into Him, the more we're depending upon Him, the greater the manifestation of those very things, spiritual realities that we're asking for. You say, what do you mean by lean on him? Like I'm leaning on this pulpit. I mean, I'm throwing my weight on him, okay? You've got to throw all your weight into, 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 into Christ, praying for, and into the, to, into the Holy Spirit to depend upon him. You, you must live it out. Well, that's what walking by faith is, is throwing your weight and your confidence in what God has promised. He must, listen, if he don't make it right, if he don't manifest it, it won't be manifested in your life. He doesn't make it a reality. Therefore, you must lean on Him. Because you can't do it. You can't do it. Now, we sing some hymns sometimes that make it sound like you're little gods and can do a lot, but I got news for you. They're just theologically incorrect. Wrong. Wrong. Did I say that? Did I say there's some wrong stuff in the hymnal? Yes, I did. Just like there's some wrong stuff that are thrown up on screens in churches around the world now. There's bad theology in them books that will burn in hell one day. And there's bad theology on the screen, not necessarily here, on the screen sometime that are up there that will not last. Now... We must walk by faith because these blessings, the orientation of these blessings are spiritual. And the indication is we have all these blessings because we have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. 
Therefore, we must learn to walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or else all we do when we gather for church is just a bunch of church. It's empty. It's void of power. It's void of reality. It's ritual. It's regurgitation of things that we've always done and motions that we've always gone through and stuff we've always done when it's not reality and it's not alive. I ask you, is your Christianity alive? I mean, something comes to life in some of you when your football team scores. But you start talking about Jesus, you get all funny acting. Anyway, I digress. Um, Number five, we see the occupancy of these blessings. The text, verse 3, goes on and it makes an often misunderstood clarification. Paul tells us these blessings are in the heavenly realm or heavenly places. Now, some people automatically assume. You know, it's a dangerous thing to assume things. We just sort of casually read a verse and we just assume things. Some people automatically assume that, well, that's talking about heaven. We have all these blessings in heaven and one day, one day... We'll get to enjoy them. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Oh, you certainly have blessings in heaven, but the blessings you have in heaven, you've got those blessings even now, according to the text. According to the text. You see, all this phrase, heavenly places or heavenly realms, is clarifying is that these blessings exist in the supernatural realm. They are provided in the Holy Spirit. They must be accessed in the Spirit and be made a reality in the natural realm of existence by the Spirit. This is why I said we must lean in to Him. We must depend upon Him. We must lay hold of our spiritual resources by faith. And what we already have in the Spirit is translated into the soul and body which exist in the natural realm bountifully blessed and beyond measure we are now by faith let's bridge the gap between the natural and the spiritual think about that think about that for example maybe you're having a hard time loving some irritable person I know nobody has hard times loving an irritable person do you You have a little hard time and maybe, you know, you have a short fuse around them. Maybe the way you respond does not always glorify God. So what do you practically do? How do you how do you know you're blessed with this? You you should be loving. That's a fruit of the spirit and the spirit's in you. How do you how do you manifest? What do you do? What do you practically do? 
Well, what would I suggest? I would suggest that you lay hold of a spiritual truth in Scripture. Like, oh, we're talking about love. Let's, there are many places I could go to. But let me read to you 1 John chapter 4. Let me read to you verses 7 and 8. What does this text say? This text says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Okay, pastor, what do I do with that? Well, on a practical level, by faith you pray through the Scriptures and then live them out. But when you come to a text of Scripture, you should learn to pray through the Scriptures. What do you mean by that? Look, for example, here I'm talking about the, you just have a conversation with God about what He has said in His Word. Lord, You've said, let us love one another, for love is from You. Whoever loves like this has been born of God and knows You. Lord, I want to love people like this. I want to love this irritable co-worker like this. Lord, I want you to make this verse a reality in my life, Lord. God, your word says, and Lord, this makes me tremble. It says that if anyone doesn't love, that they don't know you. Yet, Lord, I do know you. And God, if my heart has deceived myself, save me from myself. I'm being honest with you, Lord. And you find out that when you get honest with God and all of your doubts and all of your fears, guess what? He begins to confirm your faith. You hear me? You hear me? And you end up growing stronger in your faith. But you pray through a verse. Go through a verse. A verse that has said something about you if you are born again. And if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, oh, it's not really there like it should be. Well, be honest with God. Pray through it and lean on to the Spirit for the power to do it. Because here the reality is, if God doesn't endow, endow you with power, it ain't happening. Wow. Wow. Number six, having seen the occupancy of these blessings, notice the obtainment of these blessings. Verse three clarifies the obtainment of these blessings. In other words, what I mean by obtainment, it clarifies the way it is so, the way it is a reality, the way that you are bountifully blessed beyond measure. It, 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 it clarifies it. What is it? Well, the text says that we have these things in Christ. Let me hear you say those two words. In Christ. I didn't hear you. In Christ. We are in Christ when we are born again. Let me ask you this. Have you believed the gospel? If you have believed the gospel, then you have confirmed that you are in Christ. 
What is the gospel? Have you believed? I mean, you can't save yourself. You can't do it for yourself. It's having believed that salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. You have nothing to offer. Nothing. Nothing. Get over yourself. You'll go to hell if you've got too much of self in you. Get over you. You have nothing to offer God. But sin and dirt and filth, you have nothing. You need Him to clean you up and make you whole and make you alive and give you anything that is good. Because apart from Him, there is nothing good. There is no not one who is good. None. Ah, but in Him. In Him. In Him. It all changes. In Christ. You see, there is a spiritual union and bond that has been made. One that can never be broken. You hear me? Never be broken. We are who we are now in Christ. We have been joined together with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.17 We were united with Christ when at conversion the Holy Spirit baptized us, spiritually immersed us into the body of Christ. And now in Christ we obtain all that Christ has for us and is for us. Therefore, as Romans 8 and verse 17 tells us, we are now heirs with Christ. Wow. So this morning I end with this pivotal two-word expression, in Christ. Without this being true for you, then verse 3 is a futile message in your life. Therefore, I would now ask the probing question, are you in Christ? I'm not asking you, are you in church? I'm not asking you, are you in Valdai? I'm not asking you those kinds of things. I'm asking you, are you in Christ? Without this being true, these are just words to you. Have you been saved by His absolutely sovereign Spirit? Has the sovereign Savior made you alive and seated you in the heavenly places? Have you come to Christ by grace alone through faith alone? If not, if all of your hope is resting in something you did, you're not in Christ. Kid not yourself. And if you are not in Christ, I then ask... The evangelistic and probing question, would you like to be? Would you like to be in Christ? Would you like it confirmed that you're in Christ? Would you? Well, stop looking to yourself and trust in Christ alone today. Stop looking to your little religious ritual that you've done. Stop looking to the little things that you try. Stop looking to that blessed state that is eternally condemning that you nailed out back on a tomato post thinking your hope's in that rather than looking to Christ. That's religion, folks. Look to Christ. 
Not a tomato steak. Look to the wooden Roman cross upon which Christ was crucified. And Christ bore the sin of only those that will look to Him. So you ought to look to Him. Because if you look to Him, He's bearing the weight of the wrath of your sin. Whether you're white or red or yellow or black, it doesn't matter. His blood was shed to purchase people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Have you trusted in Him? In Him? Well, if you haven't, would you trust and treasure Christ today? Would you forsake your current path? Then come. Come. Come just as you are. And He will never leave you the same. Wow. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed.